Hey, what up, Isaac? What's going on? What's going on, Rocky? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, so I want to start off with a, a little, uh, I guess, correction or uh, I don't know what you call it. But uh, so last week uh, we started talking about Dante Wright and I, um, before we got too deep into it, said like, this isn't funny. This isn't like something to joke about. And uh, if that seemed like a strange thing to say, it was because I was uh, we had a topic planned and we ended up just turning the Dante Wright thing into the whole episode. So I was making that little statement to try to set up the topic and why I thought that, uh, you know, the uh, police killing of yet another black man would uh, would be a good springboard to jump into talking about comedy is beyond me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Right. I understand. But, um, since, uh, since we were recording that episode the day after Dante Wright's killing, it's only fitting that we're recording this episode the day after, uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty ah, on all, all counts, counts all of them. for all the murder three. of George Floyd. So, um, obviously this doesn't, uh, this doesn't fix the problem, but it is nice when, uh, something goes right. I'm trying to tell you, oh, look. That there was nothing else left that could have been said about that case. There's nothing else left. Ten hours. It only took ten. I'm surprised it even took ten hours. They. I, th were, I thought it was four. They said it took ten hours for deliberation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I thought shot. it was four. Um. Hey. Yeah, I and it, it was too long. That should they should have walked in that door, walked right back out. <laughs> I, I would be curious what the discussions were about. Um. They probably. They probably detailed each count and you know you probably they probably took a couple hours to make sure that they hit the criteria we did a uh, mock trials when i was in high school i don't know if you ever done that no i've also uh never served on jury duty so okay no um i haven't yet either um i just registered to vote like i know right <laughs> i wouldn't mind actually but uh I had, in the mock trials they uh they kind of show like a criteria of how someone can be how the case can be prosecuted if you list uh, the list or they itemize certain things on there. And if you knock off all these things, then that person can be charged or that person can be found guilty. And so I think that's what they were probably looking for. Man, that's a good while to spit out. Um, but that's probably what it was. They probably have an extensive list and especially for uh, one of this, this magnitude. Yeah. It, they wanted to probably make sure that that was, every letter was dotted and crossed <laughs> well and it worked so i'm trying to tell you hey um you know, i gotta give a shout out to um mr ellison uh attorney general ellison he 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 asked for calm when things were very tough and um he said that this needs to be done the right way and that is a very difficult thing to say in front of very angry people and you know, it looks like it was done. Obviously, it was done the right way. And so this sets a precedent, which is more powerful than it's it's that will impact the future because it was done right. So I just got to give I just I'm grateful that we that he was able to bring this to the finish line him and um, the whole the whole team. Yeah, I, I am um, obviously looking forward to isn't the right word, but I am uh, eager to see 
um kim potter was that her name the officer who shot dante Wright. yes um you know obviously that case is less egregious like there's a lot more opportunity for an acquittal there because it wasn't just obvious murder right but um i don't know it'll be interesting to see how that turns out yeah i mean that's what that's what uh they i felt like they kept on highlighting in uh court tv um especially on the day of the uh, uh um that they announced it was that if that video wasn't there and recorded all nine minutes and 29 seconds they probably would have got off because the the police report did not match reality and so like you're saying we'll see what, what happens with this case with uh was it kim potter uh, kim potter yeah um but um it's you know not to take too much sale you know not to take too much wind out of the sale on this but it really is a shame that it has to take this much this much where you have the largest protest ever sparked where you have uh, what we've gone through in in a pandemic yeah for least of which was even part of the equation but it just raised this it just made the specter that great that much greater yeah and for it to get one cop prosecuted well and it's the uh, I don't know man I just I'm just saying like the the other cops on the scene are also standing trial sometime in the summer I think yeah. I'm just saying yeah it shouldn't take it shouldn't take this much effort that's a lot of energy yeah and you know if uh if Derek Chauvin couldn't get convicted then who could that's what was at stake yeah really and you know unfortunately the same thing played out uh over the last you know last four years where um you know if trump couldn't get removed from office then who could yeah like what honestly what would it take for a president to be removed from office we, everyone was asking that question we, we were about to find out we were literally gonna find out yeah but i think the country was ready we was ready to move some furniture and i don't mean that I don't I I don't mean in any threatening form or anything like that. Please don't take it the wrong way. I'm just saying there are some very, very emotional people in this country right now. <laughs> well, and you know, justifiably so, of course. Yeah, we've been through a lot. All right, so that uh that does it for the setup on this one. So what I wanted to talk about today is broadly speaking, comedy. Uh mostly in the frame of what can we what can we joke about because you hear a lot about how you know millennials are killing comedy because we kill everything mm -hmm. how you can't you couldn't make a mel brooks movie today how everyone's too sensitive and and just on and on and on and i wanted to dig into that a little bit so okay. what we're looking at basically is what can we joke about what can't we joke about and why from both angles mm. so as far as the the divide between all the all the people saying that you know comedy is in jeopardy that comedy should have no limits that everyone should just quit whining um there there are basically three scenarios that i see which are not mutually exclusive so 
any or all of the three could be true. And I want to just kind of get your thoughts on that. Okay. So the all first right. one is um, the, the kind of the more popular one, which is that, yes, people are just too sensitive and will find anything to be offended about. Um, yes. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> did, did I give that away? <laughs> uh, so number two is that um, is that society has a much greater appreciation for the impact of language and for how how joking about something can you know trivialize it and kind of further entrench some of the the injustices that that our society has wrought upon people mm. um and number three is that nothing has changed people have always been you know offended by comedy but the people who historically have been offended by comedy the people who were the targets of comedy were people that didn't have any kind of political power. You know, you look at something like, and I don't know why I'm diving deeper into this one first as opposed to the other ones, but uh, uh, this is where we are. So um, so if you look at, you know, you could go back to the 19th century, look at like a minstrel show. And the whole purpose of minstrel shows was to mock black people, to to make them, to make them, make them look foolish to to portray them as being just imbeciles um and black people you know couldn't really do anything about that you know that was uh i would assume quite offensive to uh to most black people who uh were aware of them at the time yeah except by one or two yeah yeah exactly um but you know there during obviously during slavery they didn't have anything they couldn't say anything about it uh but even post-civil war uh during reconstruction when the the institutions were busy kind of reasserting themselves and you know winnowing their way through society to make sure that that these newly freed black people didn't actually get to enjoy their freedom at all um you know they still like if they're offending black people who cares but that is no longer the case now you know obama was president um all yeah, of so racism's <laughs> all gone well what i was getting at is yeah. that you know we yeah, we've we're post yeah that that's not the point i was making i was joking about it a little bit but what i was saying is that you know black people have a lot more um socio-political power than they did in the past still you know there are still issues there, but um, but they definitely have more power than they did, you know, when minstrel shows were in vogue. Oh, sure. um, so mm-hmm. a joke that is at the expense of black people, they have the ability to push back on that. They, you know, black people have more wealth now than they did in the past, so they can exert more um, like economic pressure on companies, they can make their voices heard in ways that they couldn't have in the past. Yeah, and the absolutely. same thing with, uh, with queer people. Um, even if we just look at like homosexuals, um, you know, but more than like 30 years ago, they didn't have any, you know, 
political power to speak of. It was still, I, th- I think even just 30 years ago, and maybe even less than that, it was still basically just illegal to be gay in a lot of places in America. So, you know, if someone makes a, makes a joke about gay people, gay people have very little ability to push back on it. So that's, that's kind of that third point, that third scenario is that, um, because, you know, marginalized communities are gradually becoming less marginalized because they are gaining in political power in they're gaining in wealth, they're gaining in, uh, also there's just greater like cultural awareness and sensitivity towards them so that, um, you know, comedians don't have the same kind of like carte blanche to just take shots at them whenever they want. So I guess I have a question then with all that. So I totally, totally agree with you in terms of like the marginalized classes, but what about the opposite end of that spectrum? What What do you mean? So like, what about, what about people that are offended by those jokes? Like, I don't know, say like royalty in our society, celebrities or presidents, you know, those kind of people, titans of our industry. Um, well, and also the most sensitive person who ever lived, our 45th president. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that's also like, is it, is it, is it okay then? Well, the, here's where we get, get after like these billionaires, you know, there's, there's only you know, a few thousand of them. Yeah, well, here's where we get into uh, the dynamics of punching up versus punching down. This is something. Yeah. So this is a comedy term. So punching down would be what we were just talking about. Uh, Making jokes at the expense of marginalized people for the non-marginalized to laugh at them. Um, And punching up would be the opposite of that. So you in general, it's it's considered better form to punch up to, you know, make jokes at the expense of the powerful who a um well i guess the main point is just that they are uh much less impacted by it like they might get offended but there's almost no actual harm in in joking about like the president except to his own little baby feelings oh no um, <laughs> what about, but what about you know we i think it was Kathy Griffin remember uh, when she did yeah that was crazy. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Yeah, I, I hate to use that word, but that was just it was. I actually shouldn't use that word. I apologize. But that was a wild moment. Yeah, and and that is uh like I'm not defending that specifically. Um, because I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that can come from that. Like you know, there's people that joke about the guillotine. You know, we need to off with their heads, as it were. And, you know, that is definitely a phrase that was targeted, to, obviously, towards the wealthy aristocrats in our society. Yeah. And, you know, people joke about that stuff a lot. Yeah, but, you know, the, the people that are, you know, threatened by that, basically, are the people who are in power versus the people who are already at the bottom of society and, mm-hmm. you know, doing the opposite, you know, punching down just reinforces their marginalization and continues to, you know, reinforce stereotypes. And, uh, you know, that has more, um, there is more potential for harm to a much broader group of people who is already being harmed. But shouldn't that also be, I would say the 
you can also amplify that same urgency with a smaller group of people that are targeted. There's fewer of them, and so they are obviously much more of a target. So should they be able to be protected? As, they should be a protected class as well, correct? Why? Because they are just as much under threat. They are under threat. And there are plenty of examples where wealthy people and powerful people do get killed. So, and it could all start from a little joke. And we're talking about the same thing. It's just with powerful people. So when is it okay to, I guess, go after like an oppressed class? Or, well, or excuse me, not an oppressed class. That's the wrong word. Uh, a class that is uh, small, a small class like that. Well, again, that's, um, it comes down to like, power yes billionaires are a small group numerically but they have a disproportionately massive share of power um not just in terms of what their their wealth can do like to the economy or uh or things like that but they also have um massive political power they have a huge influence on the lives of everybody yeah they do absolutely but they also have that kind of magnitude of threat to their life. Um, well, right. that's... They're constantly under threat. There's I, no question. I think that is less true than they would have you believe. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that there is a conversation to be had about that, about, um, you know, whose life is more valuable. And that's that's kind of the point, if you think about it, because, like... Is an individual billionaire's life worth more than an individual, like, gay person or black person or, you know, any of these other, any of these other kind of protected classes, as you say? Um, and what, I guess, what is the, the magnitude of the harm? Um, I mean, it, they can do things to lessen it. But there are who who can do things to lessen what the people that have the money yeah that have money absolutely excuse me and well and they yes they can like hire bodyguards and and personal security also uh, they have the entire legal system at their disposal because the legal system mainly protects people who have power already all right um yeah, and. I'm What's that? I'm with you. And and the same is true of like again the, the the ability to influence the government to pass laws that are beneficial to them personally mm -hmm. is so disproportionate compared to basically members of any other class of people. Is it disproportionate when they make up so few? That makes it more disproportionate. Yes. They they are high profile people. Yes. People that are targeted for their money, targeted because they are pretty, targeted because of whatever reason it is, but they are high profile. And so people are weird. Yes. People, do, <laughs> people are really weird. And, you know, they have this, there's an obsession with celebrity. There's an obsession with money. And when they, when people are in that orbit, they do weird stuff that they wouldn't do around regular people. And so if we are permitting... Yep. I'm I'm gonna push back a little bit on oh, that. Like, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Well, well, just because uh, people do those things around normal people, but you don't really hear about it as much. 
Because, like, what, what, give me a scenario. What, what are you talking about? I'll say, like, uh, Bill Gates getting tied into space. I'm not sure that was a notorious example of him being, you know, attacked. Okay. And it was a joke. Yeah. So, is that okay? I mean, if he didn't have security, do you know what could have happened? Do you, can you imagine what would have happened? Um, he would have been pied in the face. I would have been a little bit more. <laughs> it, it depends <laughs> because like the, the, the impulses that would drive someone to, uh, put a pie in Bill Gates's face are very, very different from the impulses that would drive someone to shoot Bill Gates, for example. Yeah. It, I mean, but switching an item. <laughs> well, it's not just a switch of an item. It's a, it's a switch of purpose. And, and sure. But I mean, they wanted to do harm, obviously. Well, they, did they did they want to do harm to Bill Gates, the person? Yes. You, you, so you think a pie was was meant to like physically harm him? I mean, that I'm sure it was a benefit if it did. <laughs> <laughs> so so what what do you think was so the impulse? I, I, like what I'll say, I mean. You can use the minstrel shows if you want to use in the press class like black people back in the day. Like, did it really hurt to put lipstick on black people like that or on them? Did it hurt to put makeup on them like that? They, they did, weren't putting the, the makeup on black like, people. The, the clothes, or, excuse me, white. I apologize. <clears throat> twist it around. But did, did that hurt anybody? That didn't. But the fact that they were doing that was, you know, reinforcing stereotypes that, uh, that justified keeping them oppressed. So the harm wasn't in doing the minstrel shows in and of themselves, necessarily. The harm is in the fact that white society was free to do that in addition to all of the other things that they were doing to black people because of all those things they were doing to black people. They were, they were allowed to get away with minstrel shows because they made sure that black people couldn't do anything to stop them from doing it. Okay. Okay. So, so, so that, that is what the so, harm so, is. So because it doesn't hurt as much, it should be allowed? I didn't say that. Okay. And that, that gets into, like, slightly separate issues. And also, um, you know, don't, don't even try to act like black people aren't still, like, an underclass. Oh, they are. Yeah, exactly. So the even though the, the harm is would be less compared to, you know... The 19th century, mm. the harm would would definitely not be zero. And the the same impulses, the same mechanisms that that kept black people oppressed back then still exist today and aren't that much less um, like powerful. Like, if anything, they're they're mostly uh, they're mostly just sneakier. Like definitely black people are in a better uh, like societal position today than they were, say, 100 years ago. But there are definitely caveats to that also. Yeah. Definitely say that. And, you know, for that reason, again, it's still even if we don't want to like morally condemn it it's still certainly in poor taste let's just say to do that to condemn to do a minstrel show oh sure yeah exactly mm-hmm. so i guess the thing that i'm i'm trying to understand is when it's okay to make fun of a group of people 
even if it could bring similar results to those said people that we're talking about. So I, yeah, rich people feign distress and, and all that crap all the time. They have control of the media, et cetera, et cetera. We can go down that whole route, but the danger is still real. And when you, when you, sub when, when it's okay to have things like Kathy Griffin that constantly happen, that target those kind of people, and we tolerate that. That's, that, I mean, that's. Well, just... I, I don't think we did tolerate Kathy Griffin. Well, you see, but you see what I'm saying, though. They... Yeah, like, like even even if you're punching up, there there are limits. Okay. So and and that's like she she overstepped the bounds. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm not saying that. Um. Like the rules don't apply one direction like they do okay, the other that's where, I, that's where i've been trying to get at i was trying uh, to understand okay. the logic behind this whole thing that's why there was this dance back and forth right? i was trying to understand that, that because there has to be a, a, a there, sure there does have to be a limit yeah yes. so, so regardless of how far up in society you are yeah and that's why when you say certain things about the president of the united states you have a knock on your door soon well and and that's um <laughs> and that's even more like the, <sighs> The bounds, I would say, go a little bit farther out uh, when you're talking about the head of the entire government who has, like, the head of the, the military who has the Secret Service and the Department of Justice at his disposal. Like, may, maybe you can you can push a little bit farther, but... You still can't joke about it. You can't joke about the way you think. Well, you can't... Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, that's just in our country. In a lot of other countries, you can get killed. Yeah. Uh, China, I mean, I mean, God help you. Like, for real. Like, I mean, they get down, they get busy. Yes, like, they, they, yes they, they do. They do not play when it comes to talking about their superior leaders. They're, it is just... So, I don't know. It's just... Oof. Just be careful. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Even though he has all that stuff, you still can't say certain things. <laughs> well, because he has all that stuff, you can't say certain things. Because, like, if, if you said... If you did what Kathy Griffin did towards like Bill Gates or, you know, Kanye West or, or whoever, just some other, um, you know, some other higher, uh, status individual within our society that wasn't the president. Um, she would still be condemned for it. Uh, but there's less, there would be fewer repercussions, I would sure. say potentially at least. Sure. Um, which, which again, doesn't, uh, doesn't make it right or wrong, right. but, um, but it does change the, uh, the calculus of it a little bit, mm -hmm. one would think. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, where is Kathy Griffin anyways now? Oh, who knows? Where funny, has she ever been? Speaking of not funny, my God. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think she is a little funny. Uh, her voice is, um, I, something to contend with. I just... There's no, I, I can't think of too many moments where in my life where I was just like, oh. I mean, she had some interviews on the Breakfast Club, I think, and I, and I enjoyed her on there, but for the most part, I, I never thought she was funny. Well, that's that's fair. Speaking of not funny. Um, so let's let's kind of work work backwards. Uh, since we started with uh, scenario three, three so, right. <laughs> um, so the second scenario is that um. These changes are happening, at least in part, because there is, like, greater societal awareness of 
the of how people are marginalized and the impact of marginalization and uh greater sensitivity towards um you know towards attacking people on the lower rungs of society um and that's do, do you do you generally agree with that I don't disagree. Okay. Yeah. That just that that is the case generally. Yeah. And and it uh it can play out in some interesting ways. Um like there are you know just because and let's let's stick with our example of black people, you know, just because um people have a better understanding of how black people are marginalized and the kind of obstacles that they face and the ways that they are discriminated against and oppressed you know what whatever kind of terms you want to use for it doesn't necessarily mean or uh, let me pose that as a question actually like does that necessarily mean that we can't make jokes about black people um sir uh, sure seems like it <laughs> what do you mean oh just like i don't know we start getting into the pc culture and uh cancel culture stuff that we talk about and it's, and it, that does seem like the case so, okay, can you give me examples? Oh, just like I mean, anytime you say anything about a black person, uh, that might be marginally true. Oh, where are the black people? Where are the black guys and their fathers or something like that? Oh, oh God, you know. And some jokes actually like tie in really well with that, and they are also highlighting something. But because it's typically black, you know, it's, it's dealing with black people. It's a it's something that's not supposed to be touched or said. So, well, I'm I'm so glad you used that example because mm. um, that ties into a uh, a term that I like to call recursive discrimination. Mm -hmm. uh, so let let's uh, let's look into that a little bit. Why? Where are the black fathers? Uh, well, they're in jail. Yeah, they're in jail. They're uh, they're getting killed by the police, mm. who uh, you know often face no repercussions. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, again, we're we're recording this just after Derek Chauvin was convicted, um, and that is an extreme outlier. You know, that's that is not normally how these things go. You know, we'll like, what two or three or something like that. What's that? It's only been like two or three or something like that, and think ever or, or uh, I mean, recent history or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous maybe stuff. more than that, but probably not much. So that is like, if if we're going to be making fun of black people for not having fathers mm. um that kind of get, gets back to what we were talking about with minstrel shows like that's reinforcing um the ways in which black people are discriminated against and oppressed in our society you know we are that would be you know making fun of them for for a condition that we put them in mm -hmm. so that is that is why like if a white person or I guess generally just a non-black person is going to joke about black people not having fathers. Um, they should, you know, they should be aware of why that is. Um, they should, you know, factor that into their, into their decision-making process when they're, mm -hmm. when they're determining what kind of joke they're going to make about that. There's white people without fathers too. Yeah. And that's, that's not a, uh, a topic of comedy that I've heard um, because uh, again, it's um, like there is, there is a political intent 
behind pointing out that black people don't have fathers. Like, that is a political weapon that is used for white people to explain, like, why black people aren't succeeding in society that doesn't call their actions into question at all. It doesn't put any, like, blame or responsibility on them. And and certainly, I'm not going to disagree with that, obviously. Um, What... And I'm not, obviously, I'm, I don't know why I'm defending white people with this shit. Like, I really don't. But what I'm going to say is that there could be a white comedian that is fatherless, that grew up fatherless, that may have made that joke. Now, would that still be problematic? Um, I mean, it depends on the context, really. And, and that's and, what I'm getting at with those jokes. Yeah, like, and, you can, and you it's... You can highlight something with those, with those kind of jokes. So... Like that's I I think that's a point that I wanted to kind of bring out, and I feel like it might tie in is that like when you do comedy, like comedy does cross those lines, right? And yeah, I mean generally, um, th- this is a little bit of a side conversation, yeah. but yeah, comedy, um, generally does push boundaries yeah. and um, you know, kind of play around with social taboos and things like that. So um, you know that that's where a lot of the the pushback against so-called PC or cancel culture comes from is the, the belief that comedians should be able to say anything and not face any consequences for it. Well, I don't think anybody's saying no consequences for it. What I think everyone's trying to avoid is the censorship of it. And so I, I don't feel like this would be a side conversation. I feel like it ties in, right? Like it, it does. Yeah. And, um, maybe we can dive into it a little bit deeper. I, I feel like it ties in, but you have, we have a, a problem with where we can't talk about things and there's no easy way sometimes to talk about things unless they're, unless it just, it, unless it was introduced a certain way. Like sometimes people don't, you're not going to have a conversation about things that you don't think about unless somebody brings it to your attention. So when we start erasing things from the consciousness, say for instance, we start getting rid of the fact, or we start not seeing uh, instances of racism. Kind of like before for cell phones. But we have the social media and everything like that, but we're not seeing these instances. Now, if they're still happening and they're not being put out there into the media for us to see, what's going to happen? It'll never get talked about. Uh, I, I'm may, Maybe go on because I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not following what, what point I'm, you're trying to make what i'm trying to say is that those lines that get crossed eventually it, when somebody crosses that line it shocks the consciousness and it brings into attention something that you don't think about especially if it's a good joke well and and here's the the important consideration i would say is uh going back a little bit is you know i use the term context but i think the more important consideration is what is the intent so, like, if you are, you, you can, like, talk about racism and in a way that is, like, pushing boundaries or might be shocking for some people, but that's not the same as employing racism, <laughs> as enacting it. Uh, I need you to explain that again. I'm confused. Oh, okay, so... Sorry, I caught you right when you were drinking water. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I can adapt. Um, well, I, actually, I'll, I'll turn that back on you. So what, um, what is an example of what you're talking about? 
So like what what is a, a way to um like talk about racial issues and bring them in the, into the consciousness in a way that that is that might be shocking for people. Um use I mean shit anything from like a lemon color to I mean you can even say like the Cosby show or you can say something like uh what was it black as fuck that was on Netflix. Um or yeah. I I question whether anything on the Cosby show was shocking. It was. Really? People never saw black people like that. They never saw a successful fam like a big family. Uh, oh, okay, I, I see what you it was mean. Shocking. I, I, I just I was thinking in terms of like how it it like discussed race because I, I don't know if that really came up at all. Um It wasn't that it wasn't so something like that wasn't as uh overt but people never saw black people like that and so that in and of itself is a symbol and i think an important one at least for me it definitely was i you know i I grew up with fresh prince that was definitely the family that i grew up with and you know it's i've never saw black people like that and so like for me it was it i mean that could be it's it was such an impression that it it changes the way that i think and look at the world and so especially and I guess you could say it could turn political in that, like the way that I look at the world because of that show, if I were, when I engage with the world, it changes the interaction with it. And so if other people, millions of other people probably felt the same way, it changes their interactions. They, and so like, that's what I mean when I'd say like, it, it can be, I guess, politically powerful. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Um, there's, a, there's a huge effect that media has on the consciousness. Yes. Yeah. There's I've, no question. It's I'm, I'm not powerful thing out there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing that point. Um I I guess my question is <clears throat> is that an, an example of what you're talking about because like it, it, do you think that the Cosby show is something, you know, barring the star, um <laughs> do you think there's anything about the Cosby show that allegedly that that couldn't be done to well, he was convicted on at least one count. Yeah, one count. I think that well, you have to look into that. Like be careful. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, I'm pretty sure most of those cases were kicked out. They just don't publicize that in the news. A lot. I think most of those cases were kicked out, and I think the others were settled. Um, but, you know, apart from Bill Cosby himself, is there anything about the Cosby show that, like, you couldn't get away with doing today? Um, if I had to look into the episodes, I'm sure that's with a lot of content out here that came out back in the day that um yeah there's probably some episodes that are problematic there's no question there's a lot of shows like that oh so, yeah um i can't say the show i can't say the whole show but they're taking it off the air because of the star not because of the content and also it's you know bill cosby was the driving force behind that show yeah. bill cosby as you know maybe the most successful black entertainer of his time mm -hmm. and and one of the most of all time yeah. arguably yeah um Definitely. so it it wasn't a matter of like well I, I i can't i can't speak to what went on behind the scenes in terms of like studio interference or anything like that but i i suspect there wasn't a whole lot of it it was uh i i certainly get the impression that it was it was his vision yeah um so so that's kind of a different matter from, you know, like white people 
making jokes about black people in in that sense. So and maybe we're getting our lines crossed a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe I'm not understanding the question all the way. So you're talking about like a show where there's just white people making fun of black people. Not necessarily show, but yeah, like because your your point earlier was that um that somebody a white guy without a father could also make the same joke. Well, could could make a joke about fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that's, you know, th- that would change the context of it. Because uh, unless he was specifically making a joke about black people being fatherless, um, you know, again, it's it comes down to the intent. So, yeah, what 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 would this hypothetical person be getting at with this hypothetical joke? That's the purpose of comedy. So it could be a lot of things like highlighting the the prison issue that we have with black people, the, the the recidivism rate, the the whole justice system, like it. Just little things like that. You pepper them in to routines as long as it serves a purpose. Yes. Yeah. So, but that's, I guess that's my point. And so like people start clutching their pearls when they hear someone make a mention of that and the person might get fried instead of listening to the whole context of the joke. That happens a lot. Yeah. It happens almost all the time in jokes, especially ones that are viral because that's the nature of viral. Like (laughs) at least the whole, at least the way that viral works at the internet right now. And because controversy sells. But what I, that's what I'm trying to make the point that these controversial things that are said in jokes, sometimes a lot of times they are, when they are effective, it does bring to attention those issues. Now it's hard for anybody to, at least right now until, you know, I don't know, until AI gets a lot better with looking at people's souls, (laughs) (laughs) but it's hard to tell someone's intent. It's almost impossible right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's never been really possible. It's, it's, but that's what context is for. That's Mm why, you know, you, you don't, you know, don't try not to rush to judgment, I guess I'll say. Um, And that's, that is nowhere near a new phenomenon, but you know, you, you don't just, um, you know, you, you do, you do have to try to look at their intent and, you know, glean their intent to the extent that you're able to. And obviously it's an imperfect process. Yeah, it, it is. And it's also not fair to the comedian a lot of times because this is where we start getting to the Bill Cosby thing that we were talking about earlier, where the person and well, their ideology, whatever might affect the joke that might be said. And so people are questioning the intent of someone that they already dislike. So it's the same thing that happened with 45 people. 45 said some things that were true. It's very rare. Obviously it's extremely rare. Probably it, twice, probably twice in his whole presidency. He probably said something true. Well, to, to paraphrase, <laughs> God, I can't remember who said it, but, uh, um, someone, someone said like some journalist, I think it was, uh, said that, was was examining uh Trump's like business dealings and said that if he if he ever did anything legal it was by accident. Right. And then the same thing like if he said something true he wasn't trying to. It yeah. j- it just kind of happened. Yeah. So um so but, 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 but if what my point is that if because he said it he got fried even though it might have been true. 
And well, when someone else could have said that, Obama could have said it. And everyone would have had a completely different reaction. And so that's my point with a, a comedian that has been tarred because of his ideology. Whatever they say is their ideology is tarred on them. Even when they are, they might actually be highlighting a good point. They still can't even make that point, which is not fair. Um, well, I mean, ideology is a pretty strong hint at what their intent is behind saying that. So get like, do, do you have either of the examples of Trump saying something true? Um, that, uh, that the media is a bunch of liars. Can't question that. Uh, and that, well, so, uh, uh that's, that's one of those scenarios where, um, it, it almost doesn't matter whether or not what he's saying is true because of why he's saying it, because he's telling you that the media are a bunch of liars so that you listen only to him. Like when he says that the media are lying again, even if there's truth to that, intent. you're questioning his intent. We're talking about what did he say? And was it true or not? Well, you're literally questioning his intent right now. I am. Well, that, that's, I, that's I don't, we can't, we can't necessarily do that. He, in this conversation, we're talking about what did he say? And was it true? It's not true the way he wants you to think it is. We don't know that. All we know right now is that the statement that he said was true. Is it though? Yes. The media like, are full of liars. Now there, there are definitely like credibility issues with the media. I am certain. I am definitely not questioning that <laughs> okay. part of it. Um, My God, this expose on CNN is actually pretty stunning. So, but so what, uh, what kind of media did Trump consume? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I know it, it is very, on. very well documented that he like watched Fox News all day right. and OAN and Newsmax. Now, I didn't know if he watched him like that. I just knew that he definitely was on them a lot. Well, he he by by all reports uh, spends the majority of his day that he's not golfing, watching cable news okay, and fair. and specifically Fox and. You know, especially towards the end, Newsmax and OAN, because Fox wasn't being yeah, aggressively pro-Trump enough right. anymore. Right. Well, they definitely stabbed him in the back. So now <laughs> that was pretty wild. Anyways, look at the the yeah. credibility issues of, say, CNN or MSNBC. Significance. Now, what about the credibility of Fox News? Significance. Now, is is so if he's telling you that the media is full of liars, mm -hmm. uh, and spends all of his day watching and like being very close personal friends with Fox news anchors mm -hmm. and hiring them to work in his administration. Okay. Now, what can we learn about the intent behind him telling you that the, the media is full of liars? I think a lot. Sure. So, you know, does, does Fox news have more credibility or less than CNN? That's non That doesn't work. It the, does. The media, it absolutely the does. Media, the media is by far the most deceptive product that we have out there right now. And that, I mean, I, I can't get on board with you with that statement. The media is a deceptive product that we consume constantly. Okay. You cannot tell me that 
one thing is less true because he prefers a certain station. No, 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 no. Let's leave Trump out of it. Does Fox News have more credibility as a news organization than CNN? I have to look it up. (laughs) I'm serious. I would have to look it up. CNN literally was trumpeting something talking about the plane disappearing in some vortex. They trumpeted this Russia conspiracy crap that was just, it was a completely blown out of proportion. Like, I don't know. And now they're, now they're about to blow up the, the, the this uh, climate change and make it like, I mean, it's going to be like the whole coverage with COVID, but on steroids. Like, these guys are talking about how they're going to amplify an issue as much as they want when it might not be that big of an issue. I'm not saying that climate change and all that crap isn't actually real. What I'm saying is that these guys will deceptively report on crap to make you think a certain way when that might not actually be true. So I'm not going to say that Fox News is more credible than CNN, but I'm going to say that they are very deceptive, very deceptive. It's very harmful that we are constantly consuming these products, bro. We as a society should not be consuming these products regularly. I'm serious. <laughs> and, and, and again, like, I'm not, I'm not disputing the basic facts of the matter. I'm not saying that, like, CNN is not deceptive, that they can be co- taken completely at their word, that we, can, that we can trust everything they say. But, given that, and given, you know, I, I suggest you do a little more research into Fox News. Oh, I've done quite a bit. So, I'm, I'm acutely aware of their tactics okay i mean you can look at Alf fox you can look at uh oral rolls over in his grave you can look over a lot of documents i've looked at them trust me i'm acutely aware so uh, now looking at the broader context why and i i think you're being a little disingenuous in in suggesting that we can't uh, that we can't know anything about his intent. Why does Trump tell people that they can't trust the media? His, his purpose is, look, I'm not trying to defend the dude. <laughs> because the media disagrees with him. That is why yeah. he says it. Yeah. And so, I mean, no president has never said that. Tell me a president that hasn't said that. Every president has a problem with the press because the press's purpose is to put pressure on them. It is to be an adversarial. It's supposed to be an adversarial tool that we have in our dispo- in, at our disposal as a democracy. <laughs> so now, can the- I cannot think of a president that has had a good time with the press? I can definitely say that Trump. Oh, I said his name. That forty-five has had the worst time with the press out of any of them. There's no question. <laughs> and, and are there any <laughs> reasons that might be? Them. They roasted him. And, and yeah, are, are there any reasons that might be? Uh, he was very aggressive against them. And, and, he was a, and he was a compulsive liar. And a criminal and a traitor. And, you know. And like a lot of these other presidents. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> they, <laughs> there are shades of treason. Of, of, yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, we just happen to not like this guy. And he was unusual. Yeah. Look, I, I, please don't have me defending this guy. I'm not defending this guy. What I'm trying to do is look at this thing as objectively as possible and give deference to someone that we don't like and when you hear the message from someone that you don't like you tend to look at it differently that's what we're dealing with 
and same thing and you can transcend that into comedy and all that stuff is because of the ideology and so what we do i think what we're talking about in the court of public opinion is that intent the court of public opinion is what is is supposed to be i guess the id of uh i don't know if it's the right word but it's supposed to be like the the social consciousness uh uh and the super ego yeah yeah i i I don't know what else to call it. I, I don't know what to call it. Seriously. Um, if that's even the right term, I, I don't know what that is. Like, I, I just, what I'm trying to say is that it, it's a dangerous road we're going down when you are tying things that you don't like about somebody to the truth. And you will reject that truth just because that person said it. That is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. <laughs> and um, now it's it's not as if people aren't having conversations about, you know, the credibility of the media, mm-hmm. about the the impact that they they have on society and about the you know kind of pernicious aspects of the way they operate. Yeah. Those conversations are definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um but that is not what Trump was doing when he when he attacked the media. He was pushing his own narrative. He was he was basically gaslighting the the populace by saying that. Not because it isn't true to whatever extent you you believe that it is, but because that is not why he was doing it. And whatever reason, again, that goes to intent. And that's just what I'm going to keep going back to. Until we can understand someone's intent, at least and these, I, these issues are significantly more or less important, but they, they obviously it bubbles up. Questioning someone's intent right now is not possible. And, but I see what you're saying in terms of the evidence that is before you. You have to operate based on what you can, but from what you see. But... That, again, is a very dangerous thing to do, especially with someone that you don't like, especially when you have to when you have to work with them. Like, that's just. That's why we can't get shit done in this country. It is people just tied. They they don't want to work with people because they don't agree with everything that they agree with. Um, I, I I think that's less true than you're suggesting, and I think that there are a lot of other important factors. I think there are much bigger reasons we can't work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, the money definitely conflates all that. Well, money and the fact that um, not a lot of people are not interested in working together. Yeah, I, I mean we're we're getting pretty far yeah, off topic now, off but topic now. Yeah. um. So, so I guess so, the other thing that I'll say that he said was true. I don't know if you want to tie that up, but I mean, he's talking about why we went to Venezuela and why we went over to Syria. We went to oil. Yeah, it, it's very unusual that he's um, like that. That is definitely saying the quiet part out loud. Like it, you're not supposed to admit it. Um, like just from a, a broader kind of kind of social perspective, like there was a lot of effort spent convincing the public that oil was not why we're, we were going into Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I mean, that's, I I think that's a poor example of what you're talking about because, um, 
because the the fact that he was telling the truth about that that thing um just made it more like odious that we were still doing it mm. um that um and and really revealed a lot about the people who support him i would say uh that they that they that he just said it out loud and they were still willing to go along with it and and thought it was a great idea Oh, there was a core set of supporters, but a lot of the anti, anti and individualists, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of them, they, uh, they definitely weren't on board. They thought that that was actually a betrayal. Um, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, uh, that was something that Steve Bannon, his uh, original strategist had definitely got him in on the white house on was that they were going to stay out of these forever wars. And obviously they kicked Steve Bannon out after a year and, they definitely turned it up. Got John John Bolton in there and turned it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bolton was. Uh, he, he was the worst. He did what he did. He did what he does. I should say. He tried. Um. He tried. Yeah. So, so that's. I, I. I don't think that's a a good example of of what you're. Of him telling the truth. Of no, it's it's not a good example <laughs> okay. of like the reason people were upset at him for saying that wasn't because he was like because. He was telling the truth, but they were mad because it was coming from him. Like, yes, that was a true thing to say. And people were upset because they didn't want to be going into Venezuela to take their oil. I don't know. You know there's a it's just every president always massages these things, man. Like they always massage regardless of their stance. You know, people now, you know, that's supposed to be the anti-war left that was supposed to be supporting you know, these getting out of these wars and now they're okay with going to war with Russia and, you know, they're okay with aggression with China now. And it's like, what? When I thought we, I thought, not we, but I thought the Democrats, the left were an anti-war party and they're still, I mean, they're going right behind Biden on this. You have obviously the progressives that aren't on board with it. Yeah. But there's well, a, and like I, I said, the corset of, of neoliberals. I, I think war for Democrats is kind of like, um, the budget for Republicans. It's it's the kind of thing that they say is really important to them, but uh, it's obviously not true if you look at the facts. Mm -hmm. Like, Republicans always talk about being uh, fiscally responsible and balancing the budget, and every Republican president in the last, like, 40 years has just ballooned our deficit. Yeah. Um, and Democrats were, like... Democrats were in charge during both world wars, I believe, and uh, they got us into Vietnam and it was a Republican that got us out. Um, and, you know, you, you go on and on. So, yeah, that's um, there is definitely like hypocrisy on both sides. That's yeah. that's not really no, the issue that we're discussing. Not I don't the think. Issue, but the, the, that's my point. They're able to palette it. They're able to palette it depending on who it's coming from. There's, there's, there's this, it, there's so much inconsistency with it, bro. That's, I just shake my head at it. Like, if somebody says something that is true, regardless of who it is, that's the truth. And I don't know, people just don't want to hear the truth from certain people. And I mean, if you want to just tie it back into the comedy conversation that we're having, people don't like to hear certain jokes from certain people. I don't know if that's fair or not. I don't agree with it. There needs to be some, you know, consistent energy when it comes to that, but that's But but it it does again 
you know, once again, come back to intent and, you know, what what is the joke? That's the that's the real question when we're talking about a lot of these issues is that like, why why are they telling the joke that they're telling? So, you know, you, you get into something like, um, well, I, I, I guess I'll just, uh, like go, go straight to the Dave Chappelle example. You know, we, uh, Dave Chappelle example. Yes. So don't, don't even act like we didn't discuss this. Uh, what's that? I said, I thought we were supposed to act like we didn't discuss it. Uh, well, I mean, we talk about things before the show. Um, we <laughs> can cut this part out. Trying to spice it up. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Dave Chappelle did a bit about, uh, Native Americans and that Native Americans, uh, for anyone who doesn't know this, have a pretty raw deal in our society. Um, <laughs> to put it very, very mildly. Actually. Um, and so he did a bit about Native Americans that I wanted to, uh, discuss. So it goes like this. You know who I feel real bad for is, is Indians. Everybody feels bad for Indians. They get dogged, they get dogged openly because everybody thinks they're dead. These motherfuckers are not all dead, all right? I've seen, with my own eyes, I've seen a gathering of 1,500 Native Americans. They were all gathered in one place. The place is called um, Walmart in New Mexico. <laughs> There's Indians there. I'd never seen Indians before. I wasn't even sure if they were Indians. It's fucked up, but I, I asked one of them. It's not nice, but I seen him in the sports section looking at bows and arrows. I had to say something. Oh, excuse me. I, I don't mean to be rude. Um, are you an Indian? And he was cool. Yes. Yes, I am Indian. Still didn't believe him. I had to test him to be sure. This is fucked up. But I had a gum wrapper in my pocket, so I balled that shit up and I threw it on the floor. And a single tear came out of his eye. I said, oh, shit. I had so many questions. What tribe are you from? I am a Navajo. I said, word. <laughs> I studied you in social studies. <laughs> You're a hunter-gatherer, correct? He said, I guess so. That's what you wish to call it. I said, why? What do you call it? He said, I am an alcoholic. I said, well, what's your name, dog? He said, please. Dog is my cousin. That was a good guess. My name is Running Coyote. What is your name, friend? And that shit caught me off guard. I mean, I didn't want to say my name was Dave to a motherfucker named Running Coyote. This don't feel good enough. He's putting me on the spot. I said, huh? My name, what? Oh, my name's uh, Blackfeet. Then I changed the subject. Forget about me, what's going on with you? I wanna meet your chief. Why don't me, you, and your chief, and your friends get together tonight? We could have a real live peace pipe smoking ritual. We need to celebrate, nigga, I thought you were dead. <laughs> and he set it up, it was beautiful. It was just like our dream. We was all sitting around, and Indians was beating the drum. 
other Indians came out the back with a long blanket that was folded in half and put in, in front of us. Open that shit up, and on the blanket was a long wooden pipe with feathers. And bags of weed were all over the blanket. <laughs> Chief walked over. The big ones are 50. The little ones are 25. And these are 10. Man, those Indians got high as shit. I was baked. I told the chief, he was talking, I cut him off. Time out, chief. Sorry to interrupt. I'm fucking smashed, man. The weed's too strong. I'm itching. Is this PCP? The spirits have got me. Chief, the spirits have got me. And the chief threw some water in my face. Calm down, blackface. Splash. I said, hey, it's black feet, motherfucker. Take it easy. Black feet. You're welcome to stay amongst me and my tribe for the night until the spirits leave you. And they gave me my own teepee to sleep in, which sounds nice. I personally felt like it was a little fucked up, you know, because they all had houses, man. It's like, why can't I sleep with y'all in the house and watch TV? Like, I can't be on this grass all night. So... The question is, what was the joke in that bit? Now, he does, he does touch on things that are stereotypes about Native Americans, like that they're alcoholics, uh, which, you know, that, that gets into some, some dicey territory because um, there's a, there was a very persistent myth that uh, Native Americans just couldn't, like, Genetically, they weren't able to handle alcohol, um, which is another, which was kind of a mechanism for the the white, you know, imperialist expansion expansioneers <laughs> to um, to explain away the problems that Native Americans were having uh, that didn't implicate them in any way. So, like, maybe that was a little dicey, but. Overall, like, what was that joke about? And I would argue that what he was making fun of was his own, like, perceptions about Native Americans, far more so than Native Americans themselves. Yeah. So that, again, it, it gets to intent. So what, what is he making fun of there? And that, that, there's a big difference between the way he... Uh, told those jokes the way he conducted that bit and you know a lot of other jokes that one could make about native americans so that that's it's important to be aware of the context of what you're talking about basically that you need to be aware of the situation and understand because like he didn't make any jokes about how native american women are um, you know, raped by non-natives at staggering numbers because that would be a terrible thing to joke about. Yeah. Uh, so that that I think really gets to the heart of of what we're discussing here is why. And I'm not aware of any like blowback that he got to that. Maybe he got some. I don't know. But I, I think that uh, 
if he had been less conscious of the joke he was telling, I think he could have gotten in some pretty serious trouble. Uh, and he might actually have. It would probably be interesting to, to see if he did. Um, but, you know, he... I mean, first of all, you know, obviously he's Dave Chappelle. So, like, you know, he can, he can get away with a lot, a lot more than the average person. But why do you think he can get away with it? Um, he's been pretty consistent. Um, and so people respect him. He's, he has a good track record. Well, and, and again, why does he have a good track record? That That's kind of what I'm getting to is that he does, he uses a lot of, um, like he talks about race and racism a lot mm-hmm. and he does it in a very like conscientious way. And that's why he's been able to get away with what he says for as long as he does, because he's not using his, his comedy, his platform to like further marginalize people. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Like at all. Like I, I'm just saying, you know, uh, you gotta be careful because um, the joke's gotta land it's gotta land especially if you're talking about a group of people so I mean and but then it also is I mean, who is saying it you know if a white man were to say that joke you know, would it be okay I mean we don't really have a test case for that that I'm aware of um, and, I mean just you having to think about it I mean that's interesting in of itself it's why wouldn't a white person be able to say a joke if he said it like that? There are good intended white people that yeah. are on this world. I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe uh, Dave Chappelle has a little more leeway to make jokes like that because uh, because black people weren't responsible for you know what happened to Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, play that is a factor. Yeah, and that's that's why um, you know. The the injustices that exist in America are, you know, have been perpetrated overwhelmingly by white men. And and so that's that's why, you know, there is more of a a burden of conscience on like white men trying to make jokes about things. I would think that if a white man were to use his privilege. What's that? Wouldn't you think that if a white man were to use his privilege? as a white man to speak against things like that and yeah, had a platform well, that it, he should. Yeah. If, if that is what he is doing. So, but, so again, I, but you didn't, and I guess that you didn't uh, ask the same question. I should have asked the same question with uh, Chappelle, which is you're, you are assuming intent again, based on the joke that he had. We don't know what his intent was. We, we know that he landed the joke. Well, and we also, um, you know, you and I individually are like aware of the the cultural context behind, uh, like the cultural background of the joke, mm-hmm. and we can kind of analyze. You know, th- there is some level of, I guess, assumption of his intent, but I I think that that the assumption holds up. I I think we could defend that assumption. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, uh, you gotta, I personally believe that you gotta give that same, not quite the same, but there isn't that given to people that you don't like. We don't give that benefit of the doubt to people that we don't like, especially about certain issues. Um, 
sometimes it's for a personal experience of mine I, i'm not gonna say exactly personal but you typically learn a lot from people that you don't like and it's a disservice to you when you block out people that you don't like uh creates what i was i would almost call like it's almost myopic it's something that it's myopic myopia is a eye condition where you start seeing less it's occluded uh, from uh, from the sides yeah tunnel vision yeah so that i believe happens when you don't entertain thoughts that you don't agree with it's actually a disservice you don't grow you don't learn and um i don't know I, i'm not gonna say you know it makes you weak because some people are obviously it can be triggered by that stuff like the triggered i triggering is it's a real thing and some and so some people including you know people in my family have experienced you know those some of those things like you know slavery and picking in the fields and living in the field houses and things like that um, and uh the, like the prison un- system and all that stuff. yeah unjust policing and yeah, yeah um so, but again like doesn't make it any less true when someone else from another race says it not necessarily but but again like what is the what is the purpose behind saying it that that's like that's i guess for the court of public opinion to decide right i i I suppose conversation keeps coming down to and i think you said something just a second ago that i think is really important that you said that you and i would be able to glean because we have historical context on certain issues, but would is that fair for people that aren't as informed on certain issues, or I, would that actually be a service that you know they were offended at first and they were slapped by the the shock of their consciousness that they learned something new or learned something that they thought was false um based on a joke well i mean i i I can't you know get into the into the minds of other people I don't know okay i i I think that People who were less aware of the context behind that bit wouldn't take the same things away from it that that we do. Like they might just think it was funny that uh, like, oh, of course, of course, the Native Americans an alcoholic. Ha ha. That's a good joke. Um, So, I mean, there's there's also intent on uh, on the listeners part. So like how how do they hear it? And and that's that's why Chappelle left Chappelle show, because he he felt like white people were laughing at his at his material for the wrong reasons that uh, like that. Like you mentioned before, the uh, the N word family Mm -hmm. that uh, like he wasn't doing that so that white people would have an excuse to use the N word. You know, that's the same thing for like the 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 black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, but um, that's not important. Yeah, it's not. We, we'll probably think Washington. of it after. What's yeah, that? Brother Washington. I yeah. I can't remember his first name. Um, Isaiah, something like that. Yeah, I think it's Isaiah Washington. Okay. Wait, I think Isaiah Washington no, is a different person that we're, that we're kind of slandering yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, basketball, <laughs> I think he's a basketball player. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that. Yeah, I think in Tacoma, as a matter of fact, <laughs> really? I think so. Yeah. Huh. I have to check. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, so yeah, that's, um, you know, he has, and, and to a certain extent, we can say this with certainty because he's said these things himself, uh, that Isaiah he, Thomas. what's Isaiah, that? Isaiah Thomas. That was in Washington. And uh, Isaiah Washington was on Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. Um, God, I, mixed up <laughs> Thomas. I don't know how I mixed him up. So, um, anyway, yeah, like w- 
Dave Chappelle has has spoken about these things before. So there is a certain extent to which we know his intent and we know like what his purpose was in telling those jokes and um, and that he he was worried that people were taking the wrong things away from them. So they no, I hear you on that. So that yeah, there there's not just the the speaker's intent. There's also some intent and and also just knowledge because like again, you you or I could watch the uh, the Black Klansman or you know any of these other Chappelle show bits and understand the joke that he's making and what he's trying to get across with it. And someone who either doesn't know about the cultural context or just doesn't care. Um, might just think it's funny that people are saying the n-word and um and like it, and the same thing like there is um uh, are you familiar with the uh, satire paradox uh no the satire paradox is um is the idea not not the idea it's the phenomenon where um satire is taken seriously um that that people miss the joke like um uh, like the onion or babylon b yeah i mean i it's i have a hard time imagining people taking the onion at face value but it definitely happens a lot um <laughs> or um you know the the most famous example is a modest proposal did they make you read that in school no uh, Jonathan Swift he he wrote an essay explaining how Britain could um like solve its social problems by um eating Irish babies and it he was being satirical but uh a lot of people like took him seriously and got outraged by it when he was commenting on like the social problems that Irish people face in Britain and, you know, poverty and homelessness and, and all these things. Um, but like a lot of people got upset because they, they thought he was serious. Yeah. And the same thing happens. Um, like one of the examples that, uh, Lindsay Ellis used when she was talking about, um, the satire paradox is how, uh, like a lot of right wingers, uh, watch Stephen Colbert and the Colbert rapport and like agree with everything he's saying uh because they don't understand that he's making fun of them yeah or how um like nazis and skinheads love american history x which is a very explicitly right. anti-racist movie right because it makes the nazis look awesome and eh, 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 this is maybe getting a little off track but there's also uh some filmmaker i don't remember who i i really need to look this up who who said that there are no anti-war movies because no matter what you do you yeah. can't help but make like marching armies and and firefights look awesome so whatever your intent in making the movie was you can't really succeed at, at um like putting forth an anti-war message through the medium. I would like to see any anti-war movie not get funding from DOD. And then we can ask that question. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We'd say that again? I would like to see a movie that is anti-war that isn't funded by DOD. 
I mean, there probably are some because even um, like the Avengers didn't get funding from the DOD because it like even though the Avengers is definitely not anti-war like it it wasn't I don't know. Maybe it wasn't jingoistic enough somehow. With Captain America, it wasn't jingoistic enough. (laughs) I I don't know. That's I I, I can't explain it. But yeah, yeah, apparently that is the case. Uh, I. uh. I guess what I was referencing is more uh, more or less whenever you talk about war or use any of those kind of uh, devices like planes and tanks and all that stuff, they're typically provided by DOD and for free. But that free is a price. Yeah, yeah. So Be- that because is uh, how they are portrayed. Because it turns out that uh, planes and tanks are expensive. Yes, and they look cool. Yes. Um, and I, I, I don't know if there's any kind of service that like rents out tanks for movies that you could go through. <laughs> I, I hope there is. I imagine there is. Yeah. I bet you start looking into like Hollywood logistics and all that stuff. Yeah. They're probably, oh yeah, we got this tank over here. Yeah. Take, it's going to cost you about 500,000 though. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I just, I, I imagine those kind of movies that we're probably talking about are documentaries. They're probably very difficult to get as a matter of fact usually journalists that try to film anything about that kind of stuff have a very difficult time uh yeah yeah <laughs> anyways yeah so <laughs> let's let's reel it back yeah, in a little bit in. um hey we dissected the hell out of this <laughs> that's what we're here for my goodness so um so yeah that 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 sensitivity is um w- you know one of the the possible scenarios i i outlined and and i think that that is the case and it it can um like th- there are some kind of strange ways that that sensitivity plays out mm-hmm. uh like you look at um at some of the language we use at terms that we use to refer to people how that can change over time mm-hmm. in a way that um you know, supposedly is more sensitive, um, but not necessarily in a way that is is very helpful. Like, um, little people is now the um, the accepted terminology for uh, people who are afflicted with dwarfism, which is just the name of the medical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, this is a little beside the point, but to me, little people actually sounds a little more insulting than uh than like uh, like uh, okay midget yeah let's not say that one but like dwarf i personally obviously i'm I'm not a little well not obvious because you can't see me but uh i'm not a little person but i i would personally would rather be called a dwarf but you know that's i'm not a little person it's not my call to make you got the beard of a dwarf (laughs) (laughs) um and my axe right (laughs) um golden axe but so so no matter how many times we change the term that we're using to refer to little people um it i don't think it's really uh prompted any significant uh change in the way that society thinks of them like if we're even if we're using a term that is preferable to them that they find less insulting or you know however you want to look at it like society still doesn't treat them like they're entire people yeah and the same is true uh, yeah and th- the same is true of like again the the current term as i understand it is developmentally disabled mm-hmm. 
Um, and the the term that that you and I grew up with was, yep. Um, and like, you know, we're we're both musicians. You know what the word retard means? Mm. It means to slow down. So to say that someone is mentally retarded is an accurate description of certain types of developmental disabilities. Um, but we don't use that term anymore, but we still don't value the lives of the developmentally disabled as a society. So like, I'm not saying we shouldn't change the terms. I'm not saying we shouldn't, um, you know, respect how people want to be identified, but that I don't think it accomplishes as much as it should to do that. I don't think that's um the important battle mm. um oh i had something else so i'll just kind of wrap wrap this part of it up that uh that you know there there is definitely value in like sensitivity and and, and uh, especially if we're talking about comedy like actually not even just comedy like what is the intent behind the way you interact with people? Like, why would it be bad for a white person to address a black person as boy? Mm-hmm. Like, even if they mean it well, they should be aware that there is a very long history of, of you know, paternalism, uh, of white people using that term to... Uh, diminish black people black people's like personhood so like that that is something that that people should be aware of um and that that's that's part of what we're seeing in you know in comedy more recently is is that people are at least trying to be more aware of sensitivities like that and most of the times that people get in trouble for making jokes it's because they're not aware of you know the of the context or they're not or they're just not like considering it they're not respecting it um and that is i think that's fair because comedians are entertainers mm-hmm. and they they do need to be conscious of like what they're saying and what it means. Yeah. No, I don't disagree at all. And it goes back to, you know, the thought that we both, I feel like we agreed on, which is, you know, um, you know, people should be able to, I feel like we both agree on that. People should be able to say things in this country. Like there's, you know, something like freedom of speech and we, what happens is when someone messes up in our society, even once like they're i mean they're destroyed or especially i don't know depends on the comedian it might also depend on the joke but people don't get that they don't get that uh they don't get the chance to explain themselves a lot of times and so when you have that as a policy for our society, which happens a lot. Kids can't mess up these days because it's going to haunt them for the rest of their lives or people are going to refer to something back in, in their past. Like, you got to get people... We, we're all human. <laughs> so, I mean, we were going to mess up. And so, like you were highlighting, and 
there are things that comedians aren't going to know. If we don't allow people to cross those lines, like, what is that? What is that going to do? Is that that's not going to help our society grow? Well, um, what who like who are some examples of what you're talking about? Who who was uh like shut down and and not allowed to grow? Um, let's see who went through the crucible recently. Oh, actually, uh, well, it's tough to say this one, um, because he has a lot of influence, but uh. And he was actually, they were trying to go after him. Uh, Joe Rogan, uh, they cooked him for a joke, you know, for jokes that he was talking about with the transgender community. And, and there was a pretty strong effort to try to delegitimize him. Um, same thing happened to Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart said, you know, he made reference. He was worried about his son being gay and, you know, made a joke about that as well. And, I mean, people tried to ruin him. Like, he couldn't host the Oscars and all these other things, even after he apologized. And it's... That is so destructive. It's very destructive. Like, yeah, he was ignorant. His statement was ignorant. And if, it, if again, those two people, if they didn't have the kind of platform that they did, they would be completely ruined. But there was a concerted effort to go after these people. Well, I mean, we're talking about someone who was in the position to be hosting the Oscars in the first place. Sure. And um, there's little people all the time that get fried on. I mean, there's people that people just don't care about that get destroyed on social media when they come out with something. And then there are, there are examples of those small people that are made of, made examples of for the rest of us to see. But I typically, we're typically talking about big players because they're the most visible. People don't care about little people. (laughs) They really don't. So that's why I use people like that. Well, and like, so Kevin Hart didn't host the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And where is he now? He's not hosting the Oscars. (laughs) He's not hosting, but... Do you remember what he went through? That man, I'm telling you, if he didn't have the platform he did, he would have been destroyed. And it's because our society doesn't give, they don't give people that benefit of the doubt. So how did he respond to that? Did he, did he, do you think he learned anything from it? Do you think he uh, grew? Did he apologize? Did he, Mm -hmm. what's that? He did. Now, what kind of time frame was there? It It was about 12 years. Wait, 12 years, what do you mean? From that incident. To his apology? hmm Okay. Because it would resurface. People were digging through his history. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, between, like, between the controversy and his apology. Oh, I, I think it was not too long after. Yeah, not too long after. All right, so... What and and again, we're we're talking about like not hosting the Oscars mm-hmm. is a that, that was just one example I'm talking about. I mean, this guy had a lot of other stuff happen to him. Like people didn't want to do business with him, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. But usually, when controversies like that flare up, money starts stopping. People stop doing business with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> so. And that's, I mean, that's the only, that's the, one of the ways that you can obviously affect people. And that's the whole part of like canceling is, you know, trying to cut off people's financial means any way possible. And, and that, there was a lot of that. So that's all I'm saying, man. I, I don't know. There's, there's a contagion effect that happens whenever people try to cancel them. And especially for, you know, some, you know, stuff that was probably tasteless or something that, 
people dug up and i mean there's people that make money and there's industries surrounded around ruining people it's just the whole thing's perverted and shameful but i feel like we're getting away from the topic a little bit um maybe a little bit yes and no kind of but um we should just wrap up this segment of it too um so now do you feel that people are too sensitive yes okay so why (laughs) do you think that um it goes back to like what we were talking about in the last subject um there's there's money to be made there's people that are trying to become powerful off of other people's suffering um and i guess i can go both ways in this instance um but there are people that capitalize on things that could be offensive that could be portrayed as offensive day and then they get back into what we were talking about when it comes to intent they try to ca- they try to cast intent on someone when you can't do that and people make tons of money off of it they gen it all up and create this controversy it creates a platform for them so, so, and they're the woke police and they ha- there's a ton of power that comes with that so, so who are you talking about here um i <sighs> I looked at my Twitter, bro. I, I should have wrote those down. I should have definitely wrote those down. I apologize. But uh, there's definitely some people that I just just roll my eyes at. I, uh, I'll have to insert, insert those in the comments later. Um, well, beca- and what, what I'll, one thing I'll say to that is that um, making money off of people's suffering is generally what causes these outrages in the first place. Mm-hmm. So... Um, like, like, you know, Kevin Hart, and this is not an incident that I'm super well-versed in, but like, what was the joke he made that got him in trouble? It was, um, it was a joke about homosexuals and he was worried about his son being gay. All right. Mm -hmm. And why would people be upset about that? Do you think it's unreasonable for people to be upset about him saying that? Uh, no. Okay. So uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that, um, is that like making money off people's suffering is what we've been talking about the whole time, basically, is like that, that is what the problem is. That is punching down. Mm. And that's, there are reasons that, that I, we're trying to figure out the who, what do you mean? The who, who you are allowed to make fun of. That's what this whole conversation has been about. Okay. At least that's where I feel it is. Okay. So, well, I, I guess let's let's hear your answer for that. Well, it's just it. I don't know because they're because one set of rules don't apply to the other, and that goes both ways. G- go on. Well, like we were talking about before, where you can, sure. Like Kathy Griffin, obviously, like a lot of people castigate that. Like castigated that she was. You know, put out of society for a while because of that. Um, there have been similar jokes that have floated around, uh, very threatening. Now, people also say those things online when it comes to very wealthy people. Now, is it okay to is it okay to direct those kind of things, even if they're seen in light because it's coming from the plebs of society? Where, yeah, the other end of it, where, yeah, powerful people that have a lot of power, that have the apparatus under their thumb, that are targeting a group of people, that's not okay either. But it's okay to punch up, even if it includes threatening things like that. 
So I think that's where uh, we're trying to figure out where that balance is. And it's at least with this, with this example. Okay. So, and, and that's, you know, obviously there's, there's not like a one size fits all solution. I wouldn't say that, um, you know, generally avoid like threatening death on people. Mm -hmm. I I think most people could agree with that. Uh, just don't do that. Um, no matter how funny you think you can make it. Um, and, and it does get back to what we talked about a little bit earlier that like, are, are like jokes at the expense of the powerful equivalent, I guess, because there is, do you think that there is societal value in like, in mocking the, the powerful? Yes. Why? Um, well, one, there's a, there's a, I guess like a release valve for the frustrations in this country. Um, but it also highlights some of those inequities that we have in our society by those jokes. And okay. There's a few other things, obviously, but those are probably the two I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. And I, and that's, that's completely true. Like that is why punching up is more acceptable than punching down because well for one thing your audience is probably going to be more um like you're a lot more likely to have n un you know powerless people in your audience than powerful people sure so there there is um you know there is a less likelihood of like alienating your audience if you're not taking shots at them personally. Mm. And that there is also uh like because powerful people have power that is done to society by taking shots at the powerful is much much less and arguably non-existent compared to taking shots at the powerless. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. Okay. So that is, that, that is why that, that kind of balance exists or not, not even balance. That's why that distinction exists. Mm. So, um, you know, again, as we were saying earlier, like that doesn't mean that anything is fair game if you are punching up and that that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't like make jokes about you know the powerless you just need to be conscientious about what those jokes are and about what your what your goal is basically in in telling those jokes um to to get back a little bit more to to what you were saying like when people complain that society that people are too easily offended or that people like want to take offense at things i i object to that framing i'm not saying that it's never true but i object to the framing because that that impulse um you know dismisses and delegitimizes basically anyone who doesn't agree with you so if if someone tells a joke and you think it's funny and someone gets offended at it, 
then to say that, oh, you just want to be offended means that you are not making any attempt to understand why why they might be offended, that you are not taking into consideration like what the ramifications of the joke might be. Um, so that that is like I object to that part of it without again, without dismissing it entirely. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't like a sort of outrage industry, but I think it's important to, um, you know, to, to, to display some, to, to at least attempt to meet them where they are, I guess. So if you, if someone gets offended by a joke and you make no attempt to understand why they're offended, then that is then you are missing an opportunity for yourself to learn mm-hmm. that you know they they might be offended for a a very good reason that you just don't have the the context to understand so it it does it, it's kind of the reverse of what you were talking about before about how uh people who are canceled aren't given an opportunity to grow um that you know if you understand why something offends another person then that is an opportunity for you to grow and and learn more just about the world basically uh, yeah i don't disagree on that yeah i don't disagree and a a a kind of separate thing is that um i object to the way people talk about um like people being offended because they make it they they tend to portray it as if it's something new that's happening when and and also like who <laughs> who is the most easily offended person that you can think of I'd rather not say I will 45 mm. Um, oh, and, well, I wasn't even thinking about him. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. What, what were you thinking? No, no. I, I'm dying to hear now. No. Um. So, <laughs> but 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 you see, um, you know, religious groups and conservatives and you know all all of these other groups get just furiously offended about things all the time, but we don't, as a society, frame it as an issue of them being offended, mm. like when. Um, when a movie, like when religious groups were upset about the South Park movie or just South Park generally, like we don't as a society talk about them just being too easily offended, um, that, um, like this, this is some sort of like, uh, pestilence on our society. Um, and, and the same thing is true. Like people you can look at a lot of things like um like anti-immigration or like um religious freedom movements things like that like that is people getting extremely offended and often violent um about things that you know that most of society is not offended by but we don't frame it the same way as 
like someone made a gay joke and now they're canceled. This is a problem for society. So that that is the other issue I have with with how we talk about that. Yeah. That's definitely more than fair. Um Yeah, I I can't say it. I don't disagree with really anything that you said. Um I just I look at this knee jerk reaction that a lot of people have when they hear something that they're offended by and just want to like shut people down and all sort of stuff. And sometimes they don't even understand the joke themselves. And I mean, the same, the shoe can go on the other side or the other foot rather. And people get it. They just want to be offended or had a misunderstanding and out to cancel people. And it wasn't even either. They didn't understand the context or they had no idea what they were talking about. And that happens a lot as well. And yeah, regardless of what side of the, you want to even call it an ideological spectrum thing is I don't feel it is uh, more than it's just like a lack of understanding but yeah that's fair but yeah yeah alright so you, th- you think we've uh, done this one justice yeah we have definitely alright so thank you for listening and we will see you next time